0: What is going on, everybody? It is the podcast, Pete Forcey coming at you here on Tuesday. It is April 5th, opening day, just two days away, and that's why we got to give you our St. Louis Cardinals prediction. Are they going to win the Central? Are they not? I'll give it to you right here immediately. We'll also talk about the Blue Jays and how they're imminent, I believe, in trading for Jose Ramirez, the foolishness of the Chicago White Sox with Craig Kimbrell my MLB preseason predictions, the weird Eagles and Saints draft pick swap in the NFL, and let's talk Julio Rodriguez, the new Seattle Mariners center fielder. Let's get to it. It's episode 80 of the podcast. So for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2022, I think it will be a somewhat, not a slow start. It will be an uneven start for this ball club. I think Ali Marmol You know, out of the gate here, the guy hasn't managed yet. There's a lot of promises being made that he's going to do things differently. Everything's going to be situational, matchup-based, no roles. Everything's going to be malleable. It all sounds fine and well. However, baseball people do always revert back to their comfort zone and what they know. And a lot of times they do the cover your ass move, CYA. Mike Schilt did it. He took over in 2018. He implemented some changes. And he did some things that were a little more modern, more like the Tampa Bay Rays, more like the San Francisco Giants, LA Dodgers. But when it came down to crunch time, he kind of did things the 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 binder way, binder Joe Girardi way, a guy who does things more traditional than any other manager that I've seen. And he's had a lot of success too. I think Ali Marmol is going to be an uneven start to begin the 2022 season. I think by June, this team will be hitting stride if, and only if, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson. The outfield really was the igniter. Once they were healthy post-July 1st, last year in 2021, that's when the Cardinals team took off. And they are really hitting their stride just as a group and individually. We've never seen them perform uh, at a better level. Tyler O'Neill was... I mean, what most valuable hitter in baseball for the first three months of the season last year overall was the most consistent and Harrison Bader kind of in the middle there. I mean, he was, I think he had a way to runs creative, like 180. It was absurd. So I think the lineup, when we're looking at the NL central, the Brewers, I do not believe can compete with them. I think that their pitching staff could, can certainly stop the Cardinals offense. It's really a two horse race here. And over the long haul. I do like the depth of the Cardinals' arms. I think they are going to be smarter because they got burned in 2021. They're not going to mess around if the pitching depth is thin and if the quality of the pitching isn't good enough because they waited around too long last year, and it cost them even despite the 17-game win streak. So certainly think Mazalak's not going to make the same error the second go-around, and I think that's why the Cardinals, they will take the NL Central in 2022. So I know Jose Ramirez, it's been reported here on Monday that the Padres might be looking at him. And of course, you know, the Padres, they're always willing to make a trade. So that's no surprise there. However, it was reported over the weekend by Ken Rosenthal, the Toronto Blue Jays want to make a run at Jose Ramirez would be an excellent fit. He could play some second base. They already have Matt Chapman at third in a already very deep lineup in Toronto. I do think Marcus Simeon, a guy who was somehow underrated despite making $175 million in free agency. He's going to be missed here, there in Toronto. Texas got a really good baseball player. I, I'm a huge Marcus Simeon fan. Uh, but, the, you know, they still got a deep lineup and they made additions and they'll be excellent. I think center field is going to be an issue for Toronto. I love the addition of Ramirez for that team. And I think they have some leverage in that if Jose Ramirez – doesn't agree to a contract extension that Cleveland, the the Guardians, which is still fucking weird to say, the Guardians put down a deadline of opening day, which is two days away, that if he doesn't agree to a contract extension, they're cutting talks off, which usually it's the other way around. Players set those deadlines. Clubs are usually always game to negotiate at any point in time. If Ramirez holds firm on you know not taking a low ball offer, which he already did when he was younger, and I don't blame him for, for holding out for the most cash that he can get. The Blue Jays have all the leverage because it's only two days to go. And if you're the Guardians, you're not really going to uh, waste the value in Ramirez and not trading him. Because if he's not going to agree to terms that are you know conducive for you, you got to get rid of him. And you got to get a younger player in there that you can develop and get your hands on to build the next low-budget, good Cleveland baseball team. So... Clock's a ticking here on Cleveland, and Jose Ramirez, he's like the most valuable player from an OPS Plus standpoint over the last three years. It's Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, and Paul Goldschmidt, I think. And sometimes you, you don't think of Ramirez that way. I know he's been a fantasy baseball darling. He had a down year. I want to say it was in 2019, 2020. I don't even remember. I think it's just wacky. I don't care about what happened in 2020 with anyone Ramirez is an excellent baseball player, a guy that lengthens the lineup, really diversifies your lineup, switch hitter, uh, can play anywhere on in the infield, professional A.B., old school A.B. I think Toronto, I would go ahead and, and buck up because in these games that you have here in the beginning of the season, that could be the difference in the AL East. You got Boston, you got Tampa Bay, you got New York. What are you waiting for? I, I know that they want to get a contract extension done in Cleveland. As soon as opening day passes, I'm picking up the phone. If I'm Mike Shapiro, or uh, Mark Shapiro, who worked in, um, in the Cleveland office before Toronto, you can get a deal done quick. I would not be surprised at all if Jose Ramirez, come second week of April, is a Toronto Blue Jay. So I'm no longer on the south side of Chicago, me and uh, Ms. Taylor. We moved to St. Louis last summer in August. We caught a lot of Sox baseball games last year in 2021, though, and it was obviously an exciting team. Love seeing Tony back in the dugout. It was the first baseball game that I went back to it was a year ago this time. Limited capacity. You had to wear masks. It was freezing on the south side. But it was a lot of fun, and that team ended up being a lot of fun, even though they got, you know, eliminated by Houston. And they're gonna be really good again this year. But they have Already some injuries happening to their pitching staff just days after they trade Craig Kimbrell because they didn't want to pay him $16 million, even though he's worth $16 million. I don't know. Haven't read up a lot on the situation. I don't think he's made a whole lot of noise. I know Craig Kimbrell wants to save games. He wants to be in the ninth inning, closing it out. He wants that tallied next to his name because that's how you get paid. You know, as much as we talk about advanced metrics and not having roles, that's all that's being talked about in the Cardinals relief uh, in the bullpen amongst the relievers, it still matters to guys. Kimbrel seems to get that because he knows when they go to free agency, the first thing that they're going to roll out is the saves totals. And they're going to look at those arbitrary metrics Um, as a negotiator. And especially in arbitration, if you're a younger player, they don't pay you like a closer, unless you've closed out games. So I totally understand that that's what he wants to do. But if you're the White Sox, you just had injuries uh, to uh, 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 Lance Lynn and Garrett Crochet. Those guys immediately went down for the foreseeable future. And it's going to be a rough start to the beginning of the year. I don't know why you don't want to shorten games in the back end of the bullpen. I guess Reinsdorf, the owner... Is just being a cheap ass and not wanting to pay sixteen million. He is worth sixteen million. The Dodgers—they just fleeced you, and you got AJ Pollock back for equal amount of money. Why? Why do you need the outfielder? You, you can get a bench bat that you know provides quality depth in Corey Dickerson for five million. Like the Cardinals just struck. Like that's out there. I thought that was really dumb. You, d- you didn't even dump the money. And you just got worse as a pitching staff. And then you had two pitchers go down. Hey, newsflash. Pitchers always go down. They go down all the time. They have to miss weeks at a time, uh, multiple times a year. So the fact that you're just getting rid of one of the best relievers in baseball. Again, if he was pissed off and saying that he's not going to pitch or something, unless it's in the ninth inning. I didn't see anything on that, so I don't think that's the case. This is just a dumb move by the Sox. Uh, the, The AL Central... While it's not the most competitive, it is better. The Tigers are coming. They just traded for Meadows. They were a good team post-Middle of May last year. They were above five hundred. The Guardians will always be able to pitch. They will shut you out some nights as far as your lineup. And the Royals are getting better too. They just uh, elevated Bobby Witt Jr., who I like a lot. And I like that Royals organization a lot. I think they always come up with great players. They do not bring them up until they are ready to contribute and contribute every day. I think the Royals, you know, if there is an outside team that's out there to kind of turn heads and say, whoa, did not see them coming. It's going to be the Royals. So for the Sox to just get rid of Kimbrell, I don't like it at all. And it's already showing and rearing its ugly head here before opening day. Okay, let's get to the MLB 2022 Preseason predictions in the American League East. I'm going with the New York Yankees. I know they're very right-handed. They're pitching it, particularly in the bullpen. It could go up in flames. I actually like the projections on this team. I think there's a little bit of an edge to them as well. They know they underperformed last year and they know they had a really inconsistent season. Aaron Boone definitely coaching for his job. Uh, despite the contract extension, I could see Steinbrenner getting rid of him if he does not perform well deep into the postseason. And I think Aaron Judge, if he's going to be playing for a contract and a lot of these other Yankee players, they want to go deeper and make it to the World Series. And I think they're starting pitching. Very good mix of depth and quality. And I think they take the East. Behind them, though, is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. Two wild card teams coming out of the East. Just, just too much experience. Too good of a lineup in Boston. I think the edge is to the Rays and taking the first wild card spot because they just have too many arms and they're too well of a, uh, you know, good operation. They made it to the postseason several times in the past few years and they got that core intact. I think from a pitching standpoint, Boston is lagging, but their lineup is deep and they got a lot of good starters that usually stay healthy. So I got Boston taking the second wild card, moving over to the AL Central. The White Sox, just not a very competitive division. I think Detroit, they are still several arms away. I think they'll remain competitive, and I like the Royals. I'm just not ready to go there quite yet because they haven't had the experience in the starting rotation roles. They need to pitch better. I do like the length that they've given, but in Kansas City, they got to be a little bit better if they're going to take the division. And then over in the West, Houston Astros, much like the Rays, too much intact still. The lineup is still there despite losing Correa. I could see them, if the Twins are out of it, trading for Correa and taking on the contract. The remaining money on the contract, and then they renegotiate the end of the year if they're not getting what they need to out of the shortstop position. But Houston, otherwise, great bullpen. Maybe need a little bit more in the starting pitching market. Could see them trading for an arm at the deadline if they're not getting the uh, the length that they need Have to get out of the starters. But overall, James Click, still got a great manager in Dusty Baker and still got a great lineup in Houston. The Los Angeles Angels. This is the year they figure it out. I do like the mix of newcomers that they have. I love David Fletcher. Trout's going to remain healthy. Shohei uh, Otani, obviously the MVP. They designated Justin Upton, but they got Jared Walsh at first base. Uh, I, I think overall from a relief standpoint... In starting pitcher standpoint, I think Thor is going to click. I like the Angels to make it in the final wild card in the American League. Now, over in the National League, Atlanta Braves, World Champions, they will take it again. I know they lost Freeman, still a deep pitching staff and farm system with pitchers. They have built it for the long haul. In all those years back when they had the old general manager, they were just churning out arm after arm, trading and developing. The Braves are here to stay. I do like the New York Mets, even though with the DeGrom and Scherzer news that they aren't going to be available, at least from the get-go. DeGrom for sure, Scherzer, we're still kind of waiting word on that. I like the Mets. They're going to spend money. They got better. I liked all the 30-year-olds that they picked up. I think they're going to contribute immediately. Maybe they won't be great two years from now. But for the 2022 Mets, I think they make a major impact and they will help the Mets take the first wildcard spot in the National League. The Philadelphia Phillies, they will take the second wild card and they will come out of the East as well. I like Dave Dombrowski a lot. I think he's doing the same thing that he did with the 2014 Tigers. They didn't have great defense. Actually, they had horrible defense. They had good starting pitching. They had an okay bullpen along with a deep, deep lineup. And the Phillies got that. I think he makes it again. He recreates it. They got Castellanos, Schwarber, Harper, my guy Didi. Um, JT Ramulto, they got a excellent, excellent lineup, maybe the best in the national league and they got quality starting pitching. I think it gets it done. I think Noah has a big bounce back here. And of course, Zach Wheeler almost took the Cy Young award. Uh, I like Philadelphia a lot and they will take the second wild card spot in the national league. St. Louis Cardinals, I told you they're going to be the team. I just don't think that the Brewers will hit enough. The Cubs not good enough. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are awful. And then the Dodgers, they will take the NL West because they do every year. The Giants, I just don't think that they can have another historic year in their franchise. They had the most wins ever since like 1924 last year. I don't think that's the case. I think they do miss some of their starters. I think they got a lot of good relievers back. I think they have smart people in the organization. But overall, the Dodgers are willing to spend more money and they already have more quality players across both the pitching staff and, of course, the position players. And I think they get back to winning it. However, I do like the Giants, and I think they do take the third wild card spot in the National League. One of the weirder draft pick switches happened yesterday with the Eagles and the Saints. The Saints got two of the Eagles picks this year, and they gave up their original 2022 selection sent that to the Eagles and then also sent their 2023 first round pick to the Eagles as well. So the Eagles who had three originally, they now have two, one of their original ones and then the one from the Saints. And then of course they'll have theirs along with the Saints next year. I I thought it was kind of weird. You got the Eagles who they typically draft okay. Um, I feel like they always really value wide receivers and are always trying to hit big on the skill positions and sometimes they flame out uh, they got Devontae uh, Smith last year but Jalen Rieger hasn't been good the guy before him and of course they took Jalen Hurts who I would not have taken in the second round he's okay he's been better than I thought but he's certainly not someone that I'm really you know I, I wouldn't even be looking to use him this year I, I know there haven't been that many better options especially at the price tag that maybe you have to get him, but Overall, I just think the second round pick two years ago uh, on Jalen Hurts was pretty foolish. Um, So I don't know what to make of it, because the Saints, they had that smashing success of a grad class uh, in the draft from 2017, where they had like five starters, maybe the best graduate class ever, and you know you still got Mickey Loomis there, so maybe he's seeing something like, oh, we could get two quality players, and you strike a deal with uh, Howie Roseman, the guy over at the Eagles, and... He just loves picks. He loves having it as, uh, uh, you know, in the bank to move up like he did for Devontae last year in the first round. So it's kind of hard to put my finger on it, like which way. I I tend to lean the Saints way because they have had that success. And they are not bad drafters. They move up in the draft. They move back in the draft. They collect picks. They move off picks. They do a little bit of everything. And they never have, like, disasters. They're typically always pretty good. And they gave up next year's to take two this year. They must like the quality that they're going to get, you know, post 15. Because usually post 15, you just don't know ultimately what you're getting. You know, the first 10, you got surefire, plug and play, really does not matter which team they go to. Those 10 guys, sometimes it'll trickle down to 15. Those 10 to 15 guys, they're going to be starters in the NFL. But post 15, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, scheme dependent, it's team dependent, It's who's doing the evaluating, what coaches you have on staff. That's why first round picks, they're kind of overrated. They really are. And that's where, you know, the idea of like the Eagles and the Dolphins, who at one point had three first rounders, and you think, oh my God, we could get three Hall of Famers. That doesn't fucking happen. The real value in having three first round picks is moving up higher so you can get to that one through 10 and pick a surefire plug and play starter who's going to be with your team for 10 years. I mean, that's what the Dolphins did. That's what the Eagles have done. You don't ever really make three selections. And when you do, it's usually because you're a sucker. The Dolphins, they did that, what was it, two years ago? Do we even know if they have three quality players? I mean, one of them was Tua. Um, the other one was an offensive tackle, and he's been all right. But just overall, the idea that collecting draft picks is the best way to go about you know, getting your team built together? No, not really. It's about using those picks to actually move up higher to get the better quality player. And we'll see who wins this one between the Eagles and Saints. But overall, I just thought it was kind of strange, but I kind of give the advantage to the Saints based off their recent track record. The podcast is not even over yet, and I'm already regretting. That could be a more serious look to the Seattle Mariners. They promoted... Their best prospect, Julio Rodriguez, best prospect in all of baseball. He's only played double-A, but he's tore it up. Weighted runs created, 173 last year, uh, 243 (laughs) during the 2019 season in in, uh, rookie ball, or single-A, excuse me, and in rookie ball, he was 161 uh, back in 2018. Uh, That was when he was 20 years old last year in 2021, so he's going to be playing in his age 21 season this year. Guy's phenomenal. If you like batting average, 362 last year. OBP, 461. Slugging percentage, 546. I like the M's. The thing about them last year is that their team, they were good and they won a lot of close games. And usually that's kind of just random. I do think there's something to it, though, taking great at bats, late in games, having pros on your team. The issue was that, plus the fact that they're young guys. They weren't really leading the charge. It was a whole bunch of veterans, some of which had moved on. And you just can't count on the guys that are obviously on the Mariners for a reason last year. They weren't projected to do that well. And obviously they were on one-year pillow contracts. You can't expect them to repeat that here in the second year. But I love this Julio Rodriguez. I think he's going to be one of the stars out of the gate. You put too much pressure a lot of times on rookie players to perform immediately. This is going to be a guy who's going to have no... trouble whatsoever he's gonna he's gonna be amazing he's got a walk rate of seven percent k rate of 23 both pretty normal for today's uh day and age and he's just got elite bat speed and he's gonna kind of remind people I think of Ronald Acuna I don't know if he's gonna reach the same heights I think he's got the potential he plays in a much bigger ballpark and obviously he's on the west coast so just from a standpoint of you know, one of the things that's never talked about is just how much those teams on the West Coast have to travel and change time zones. That takes a toll. It's harder for teams on the West Coast to actually be the best team uh, in your respective league, unless your you know, name is the LA Dodgers. I think that's also something that it's going to be hard for Julio to really take advantage of. So uh, we'll see. I'm excited about the M's. I've always liked watching Julio Rodriguez and his highlights. I think he's going to be a star out of the gate, and we'll get to see him opening day here in a couple days. Appreciate everybody listening. Need you to share with your friends, review Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on every platform. Drop right into your phone. Notify you every time a new episode is out. And if you got any questions, comments, the podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'll read it aloud. I'll incorporate it into the show. If you want to hit up the call or text line, 816-226-7483. We'll see you guys next week.